0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. And uh, just studying and preparing for this, and so uh, I hope that it's been impactful for you. We're in week three of this series, and I think it's just it's clear by now, if you've been with us for the past couple weeks, and even if you're just joining us today, you already know this is the truth, that some people find themselves doubting God from time to time and I want to just tell you I absolutely get it I absolutely get it and I need you to know a few things that we've already talked about the past couple weeks so if you weren't here I'm going to lay a foundation as we're talking about this if you have been here this will just be a review for you and, and 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 you need to know first is that your doubts don't disqualify your faith that just because you have a doubt doesn't mean you need to walk away from your faith entirely in fact, I think if you have a doubt, a doubt is just an invitation to a deeper faith. That you have an opportunity to explore, why is it that I doubt this? And where can I find some truth so that I can know whether or not this is a truth that I can stand on? That even if it is just my head telling me that this isn't real, that if God's word says it is, then it is. Oh, you all are awake this morning. That's a good place to say amen. Shout back at me anything you want to, right? But like, but like I'm just saying... It does not disqualify you because you have some doubts. You can explore those things. And when you find out that something you did doubt, something that didn't set right with you, isn't actually true, that you don't have to walk away from faith entirely. You can just let go of that part of faith. Like, Let me give you one example uh, over the years that, that somebody has had to grapple with. Somebody, somebody, Tell me if you ever heard this, God won't give you more than you can handle. Hands up if you've heard that phrase before. And if that's a current belief of yours, let me just tell you, that's not true. God will give you more than you can handle, but he gives you more than you can handle so that you can lean in and trust him and experience his grace, mercy, provision. Amen. Right? So if you believe God won't give you more than you can handle, you can go ahead and scrap that. You don't need to scrap your faith entirely. You just need to scrap that thing you've been believing because it's wrong. It's not true. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't ready for me this morning. <laughs> If you have doubts, you need to know that you're not going to be judged for those doubts. Because your spiritual journey or faith is a journey, not a destination. You're not always going to be in a place of doubt. Especially if you take the time to explore it. You need to know this. The greatest doubters often become the strongest believers. And that faith isn't the absence of doubt. It's the power and strength you need to push through doubt. Doubt is not something that should disqualify your faith. So if you missed the past two messages, I'm going to encourage you to listen to those. You can listen to them on any, anywhere you get podcasts, or you can watch a replay if you just need to see my beautiful face on YouTube. My Simple Church, I'm just telling you. But you need to know, as your pastor, I doubt God occasionally. Shocker, right? But more often than doubting God, the person I find that I'm doubting is myself. And you need to know that when we doubt ourselves, especially on this spiritual journey, oftentimes it's not ourselves that we're doubting, it's really God that we're doubting. You say, "But why do we doubt? Well, we've got this thing called insecurities. And that's what we're going to face today. That's what we are going to talk about. Because I've got insecurities. I don't know about you, but I've got them. I've got this thing called an inner critic. That over anything and everything that I do, it is always on my shoulder telling me how terrible I am. Anybody relate? I got a voice. You're not good enough. You'll never be. Just all that stuff. Just criticizing everything. And because I've got insecurities, because of the inner critic, there are times that I don't even like myself. Anybody relate with that? There are times that I just, I feel that really heavy. Sometimes that inner critic speaks over something small, like something I said, or maybe it's not what I said, it's how I said it. Or maybe it's something I did, or maybe it's how I did something, or maybe it's something I didn't do. Anybody feel that? I see the me that you don't see. So sometimes I doubt God and I doubt myself. But you know the worst thing is like, I know that God sees all of my faults. He's omnipotent, that, or not omnipotent, excuse me, omniscient, means he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows my secret thoughts. He knows what I do. He knows how I feel all the time. I'm always exposed before him. And yet, God's word says that despite knowing me, despite knowing the real me, he still loves me. And he has a plan. And he has a purpose for me. And yet, My inner critic is the one that tells me, God can't use you. Do you know what you've done? Do you know what you've said? Do you know who you are? I know the real you. God knows the real you. He can't use you. And so I felt very, very insecure. I felt inadequate and and insufficient. And if you've ever felt that way too, inadequate, insufficient, insecure, this message is for you. I would say for the rest of you, those of you that are confident, those of you that are assured, you're the best of the best, the cream of the crop. You are the brightest bulb in the bunch. You are the sharpest tack in the box. You are top of your class. You are voted most likely to succeed. I need you to know there's good news for you. God can still use you too. (laughs) (laughs) He'll still use you too, but he specializes in using people who know they need his help, people that know they are weak, that know they are broken, that they need God's presence and his power in order to live out his purpose. God specializes in using those people. Truthfully, most of us will battle feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. And if God wants to do something in you, oftentimes you'll push back, you'll say, surely, surely he could find someone better than me. Or you've got an excuse like, well, God, I hear you calling me to do something. I hear you want to do something in me, but I don't know a lot about the Bible. Or, you know what? I don't know that I'm fully prepared to share my faith. Or you say, well, I'm, I'm not really comfortable praying out loud. Or I don't know if I could go to a group. I'm kind of an introvert. Or you want me to lead a group? Good Lord, I don't know about that. Or here's what I do know about myself. I don't read my Bible every day. I, I know that. I struggle, uh, I struggle with cussing. I cuss occasionally, and maybe I still drink a little too much, or, or maybe I lose my temper, and, and these kind of things, just, they just disqualify me from a relationship with God. And I need you to know that none of those things disqualify you from a relationship with God. In fact, we put those on a really high level before we even approach our relationship with God. Say, well, i got to clean myself up. i got to get all these things fixed before I can walk with Jesus, before I can be of any use to him. And those things are just not true. But ultimately, our insecurities come from the seen versus the unseen, what we know, because we know what we've done wrong. We know who we've hurt. We know how we've fallen short, who we've slept with, the lies that we've told and the fears that we have that keep us trapped. We know those things, don't we? We feel them. And we think, after all we've done, why would God use us? What are we doing? We're doubting. We're doubting God. So I want to remind you, God knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. Do you know that? He knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. Here's what Paul said about each of us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Stop. We are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. For some of you, that'd be really hard for you to say about yourself. You know, it's interesting. I, I, um, I've been through a lot of therapeutic sessions, and some of the things that they do when you're in group therapy things. One of the things they make you do is is um, celebrating your hundredth birthday. And they're like, "Hey, you're going to but This is your hundredth birthday. We're going to celebrate you. It, it's all an act, but we're going to put a chair right here, and this stuffed animal is going to represent you." And what we're going to have you do, somebody is going to talk about you on your 100th birthday and celebrate your life. Who would that be? You name that person. For me, it would be my wife. And so, for example, I had to stand in the front, and they said, okay, now be your wife and talk about you and tell everything good about you. Some of you are already thinking about the fear and trepidation you would have in doing that. Standing in front of a room of people and talking good about yourself is a difficult thing, isn't it? Why is that? We struggle. It's because we're insecure. We know. We know the truth about ourselves. But Paul said, you are God's masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. You have to realize that what Paul is talking about here is not what we've made of our lives because he continues on. It's about what God has made of our lives because what he has made is he's created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. That's not a period. That's a comma. So that there's a reason he did this so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago so what are we we are God's workmanship we are his masterpiece that word masterpiece there that uh, is in the Greek is the word poema and that word poema it means a creation with a designated purpose a workmanship or a masterpiece it's basically saying that you are God's written poetry isn't that beautiful That you are God's poetic statement. You are beautiful. You are valuable. You matter to him. You are custom designed, tailor-made by the master's hand. God gave you the right personality. He gave you the right mindset. He gave you the right temperament. And you were born at the right time in history for such a time as this. You are God's masterpiece to do the good works that he planned for you before you were born. Unfortunately, when that message enters in, there's another one that comes in, and it's the enemy. The Bible describes him as somebody who will swoop in and try to steal God's word from your heart, and he says things to you like, well, God can't use you. You're an absolute mess, and I want to encourage you that in that moment, you can say, you're absolutely right. I am a mess, but God has taken my mess, and he's done made it my message. Mm -hmm. That'll preach. We could just stop right there. Dear Lord Jesus. In the message right now, and beat the Baptists to the breakfast halls. Come on. (laughs) I was praying for you all this week about this message, and I really feel like this is going to be therapy for somebody in this room. Very therapeutic for you to hear, I am God's masterpiece. He made me this way on purpose. So when we're talking about God using people, that he makes you this way on purpose, with a planned purpose, who is it that God tends to use most often? That that has to be the question. And when we look at Scripture, there are three types of people that God tends to choose to use to do his will. And the first kind of person is God uses the unlikely. Looked up the definition of the word unlikely. It means not likely to happen, to be done, or to be true, improbable, likely to fail, unpromising, or to quote the actor Sean Wallace as he played his role, Vizzini, in The Princess Bride, inconceivable. (laughs) Went a long way for that one, didn't I? (laughs) It's true. And some of you identify that with that story. You're like, yeah, that's me. That's my definition. I'm the improbable. I'm the inconceivable. I'm the unlikely one. I'm the unpromising one. And I want to encourage you today through a story in the Old Testament that God uses unlikely people. Go to the book of Samuel. In 1 Samuel, Samuel was a prophet. And Samuel, a prophet just means that somebody that God used, he would speak to the prophet, and the prophet would speak to the people and tell them God's plan and his purpose. And and that's how God rolled. That was long before we had, like, the the, the final temple. And this was before they had much of the written word of God, okay? Uh, And so... Samuel shows up, he's a prophet, and God has sent Samuel to anoint another king. King Saul's story is fantastic and amazing to read through and to study. But, Sam, but Saul, God had rejected because of his sin, because he did not lead well. And he sent Samuel to anoint this new king. And so he goes off to do that. And scripture says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, he said, When they arrived, so we're talking about the, the, the sons of this guy named Jesse, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Don't look at his Instagram followers. Don't look at the car he's driving. Don't look at those pecs he be popping. Pop, 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 pop. So I'm not popping mine. I had to go like this to do it. <laughs> don't look at all that stuff he said that's not the stuff that matters he said people look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart that's good news for somebody today especially if you think you're the unlikely that's good news God looks at the heart see what happened was in, in modern day language Samuel looked showed up looking for Dwayne the Rock Johnson but God was like I'm gonna give you a Kevin Hart you know what I'm saying that's a true story right there. That's what happened. And I love this. God is looking for the qualities people overlook. And one by one, Samuel looked at all these, these candidates that he thought were qualified. There were seven sons of Jesse that passed before him, and God gave him all the nope. Nope, nope, nope. Here, you get double nope. Nope, 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 nope. And Samuel's like, this can't be it. So he goes to Jesse, and he's like, is that all you got? And Jesse's like, nope. I got another son. He's out in the fields. David was the youngest. He was the most unlikely. So much so that dad didn't even call him to the table. His own dad didn't believe in him enough. (laughs) Anybody feel that in your heart? Like, I feel feel that deep in my soul. Like, oh, my own parent didn't believe in me. He says, he's, he's out in the fields with the sheep. Samus says, get him. Get him. That's the one. And as soon as he stood before him, God said, yeah, that's the the guy right there. That's the one. That's the one who is a man after my own heart. That's the one that you're to anoint to be the king. David's story is incredible. In fact, Jesus stems from the bloodline of King David. It's a beautiful thing. And you need to know that God loves to use those who are overlooked by others. Can I tell you about a group? And I, and I, and I want to just tell you about this group with love in my heart and, and that I'm, I'm in no way offering any shame or commentary or disparaging their lives. I'm celebrating. I want to be very clear when I say that. But a, a group of people that gets overlooked, just like David, counted out, looked at as improbable, unlikely people that God would use. Since 2013, one of the very first groups of people that God gave to us to minister as a church, y'all listen to me very clearly, is those in recovery. And we've got a recovery group that joins us every Sunday, Sober Living America, and I welcome you, and I'm glad that you're here, don't we, Simple Church? But, But let me just say this. You may feel overlooked because you've been overlooked by your family. You say, why would that happen? Well, here's what comes along with a life of addiction. A life of addiction brings lies, brings, brings maybe even theft from a family member. It brings breaking relationships, and it means being overlooked by family. It means being overlooked by employers, doesn't it? Because maybe you've got, you've got a record now, or a probate officer, or you've got some baggage, and so you get overlooked for employment. You get overlooked by a church because your life isn't polished and pretty like you think every Christian's supposed to be. And so church people look down on you and they judge you, but not here, thank God. Amen. Not here. You get overlooked, counted out every turn. And I want to tell you that the most improbable people God loves and uses are the unlikely. One of my favorite stories to tell about somebody that was in recovery that joined our church. Been, he, he surrendered to Jesus, began walking with us and serving, and he, he threw, threw himself all in. Because let me tell you, that's what it takes with a walk with Jesus, going all in. He wound up on a mission trip with us. And we wound up, I gave him an opportunity to share his story. So I just want you to share your story. Tell him about who you were before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and who you are now. He said, I can do that. And he stood up there in front of this, this, this service in Honduras. And he just told his story. And then he gave an invitation to respond in faith. Some of you were there, and you know what happened. And there was one man who stood up and said, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. Let me tell you about that one man. That one man had been around that church community for nearly 20 years and never said yes to Jesus. His daughters had all gone through this program that we were participating in. And because of a young man who was an addict, who walked into recovery and began walking with Jesus, that man gave his life to Jesus. And let me tell you what happened. It shut down the entire church service. Because they knew who he was, and they, in celebration, why? Because God uses the improbable. He uses the unlikely to do powerful things that that church and that community of believers hadn't been able to do in 20 years. God uses the unlikely. He has a purpose for you. And listen to me, those of you at SLA or those of you in recovery in this room, I need you to hear me loud and clear. It doesn't matter the story you've written so far. God has a new one to write for your life. He has a new one to write for your life. Keep in mind that God specializes in using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. So I'm here to encourage you today. Stop believing what others say about you. Believe what God has to say about you. God uses the unlikely, and the second group he uses is the insecure the Insecure, I'm going to take you to the book of Judges, which, by the way, is a terrible book in the Bible. I mean, it's like, it's like juicy drama. It's better than Game of Thrones, and if you read it, it's without the porn, so just go for it. I'm just telling you. It's good stuff. But it, it's a terrible book because what was written about that time is that everybody did as they saw fit, that, that, that they weren't following God. They did things in the name of God. You want to see religion on display? It, there's just terrible things that people did in the name of God in the book of Judges. But I'm going to take you there because there's a character in there that, I, that was very insecure. And what was happening at this time was there's this group of people called the Midianites who on a regular basis were raiding the Israelites. They would come in at the harvest time and they would take as much food as they could carry and then burn the rest of the fields, leaving the Israelites to starve. They would take their women and, and, and all kinds of people as slaves. And so it's not a surprise based on this history of violence that is happening that we find that our character today Gideon actually has cause for concern he's afraid for a very valid reason because sometimes I think we go well our insecurities aren't really based on anything firm oh no they're usually based on some kind of experience either one we've personally experienced or something that we know somebody else has gone through and we hold on to those things and go woo I don't want that to happen to me so what happens is is that Gideon is is uh he he's He's taking his wheat, and he's separating the chaff from the wheat, which is the usable stuff versus the unusable stuff. But he's hiding in a wine press. He's, like, hunkering down in this thing, not out in the open, so the Midianites don't see him. <laughs> he's literally just hiding and, and, and shucking his wheat. And an angel appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God has chosen you to rescue Israel from the Midianites. Pause. Pause. When your Bible says stuff like that, don't you ever just wonder, what was that like? How did he know it was an angel of the Lord? Like, you know, because, well, because they're, I mean, angels are like terrifying beings, you know, but yet we have these appearances here on earth, and this guy's just keeping his cool. In fact, I think that if an angel of the Lord appeared to me the way that the Bible describes angels, I might not have dry pants. And whatever he said to me, I would be like, yes, sir. Yeah, no, yep, you're right. Yeah, but that wasn't Gideon. Angel of the Lord appears and says, you're a mighty man of God. You're going to do, do this awesome thing. And he's like, actually, here's what he says. The Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Listen to me. God is going to call you for service, to do something for him whether that's just a one-time thing or it's to get involved in regular ministry. I'm not sure. He's going to call you to do something. He's going to stir you, and, and you're going to have some insecurities. It might be to join the dream team. It might be to go through growth track. It might be to, to join a growth group. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's just to go out and share your faith or be a blessing to someone or witness to somebody at work or school. And you're like, Lord, tell someone else to do it. I'm not the best person to use. I can relate to that. God called me to do this. I was like, listen. I've been divorced, I'm on my second marriage, and things ain't going so well. Weren't going so well at first. I walked through bankruptcy as a young man because I made stupid decisions financially. God, I I I, you know, I, I was a porn addict. Like, you me? You want me? I struggled to believe that God wanted to use me in this kind of capacity because of my, my past, because of my history. But whatever God calls you, the devil's going to try to stop you. And one of his greatest tools is to attack your self-worth, to make you feel insecure He'll say to you, who do you think you are? Hmm? He'll tell you that you're not ready. He'll tell you that you're not worthy. He'll tell you, that you're not good enough. And some of you repeat that song like you're the greatest showman and you got that track on repeat. Never enough, never, never. Never enough, never, never. I like musicals. You own that message, it becomes the message of your life and it's just not true. She says, but that's what the enemy will tell you. But think about it. If God didn't want to use you, the devil wouldn't be fighting so hard against it. You may not have a a lot of confidence in yourself. And I say, that's a good thing. That word confidence comes from the Latin word confide. It means with faith. But see, confidence isn't about having faith in yourself. It's about having faith and trust in God and what he has to say about you. That's the kind of confidence that we need. Gideon said, I'm the least likely, and Gideon was about to get a lesson. He was about to learn that God often uses the least to do the most. So God uses the unlikely, he uses the insecure, and God uses failures. God uses failures. I'll show you one of the most powerful stories that we'll find in scripture, and it's the story uh, about a man named, at that time, Saul. So here's the scene. Jesus has already walked this earth. He's died. He's resurrected. He's left. The gospel, meaning the good news about Jesus, is spreading like wildfire. People are getting saved daily. And up arises a group of people who don't want to listen to it anymore. They don't want to hear that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't want to hear that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And so they begin persecuting those who have faith. And that one of the very first To be persecuted to the point of death is a guy named Stephen. Stephen was preaching, telling the story, breaking it down for him, saying, listen, this is who God is, and this has been his plan all throughout our history. And he gave him a revelation of Jesus. And it says that as he's preaching it, at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Now that's not the, the wacky tobacky kind of stoning. They were throwing rocks at this man, stones and boulders. The point was to kill him, and they did. It says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So Saul was there. It goes on in chapter 8, verse 1 to say, And Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So what happens to Saul is he gets deputized by the religious leaders, the pastors of that day, to go and persecute people. They give him papers. As, as a civilian, he is authorized and deputized to go grab them and haul them off to jail if they confess their faith in Christ. This, this is who Saul is. And Saul thought he was doing the work of the ministry. He thought he was doing good for God's kingdom. But Saul goes on to have this incredible encounter with Jesus. And he realizes that he's failed in serving God, and it changed him forever. Uh, even to the point that he changed his name from Saul to Paul. Which, by the way, that's not a bad plan if you've got a bad rep in the community. Right. Hey, aren't you Saul? No, my name's Paul like with a Paul with a P. <laughs> it's your disguise. It's your mustachio, you know? Them glasses with the big nose and the mustache hanging. This is, this is Saul rolling around. No, I'm Paul. That's me. I'm just Paul. Changes his name. <laughs> Have you ever blown it before? You ever blown it like, like Saul slash Paul did? Like, I mean, like big time. And if you ever have, you, you, you know what's on the other side of that. If there's embarrassment on the other side of that, you don't want to show your face again. But there's also shame that we believe that because we did a bad thing, we are a bad person. That's what shame tells us. And as a result, we wind up in a place where we feel Unworthy. Might have been a public, public failure that we experienced, right? Might have been something that everybody got to see. Might have been a moment where we just lost our temper or we said things that we should not have said. Or maybe we were supposed to say something, but we didn't. I went through that. Uh, at one point in time, I was preaching a message and I invited somebody to come to church. And I got to the point in the message, words that God gave me to say. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I was up here holding a microphone. And I was supposed to say something. And I laid eyes on the person that I invited to church. And I was like, if I say that, I'm really going to hurt the feelings. And I didn't say it. And though people still said yes to Jesus that day, I hung my head. I felt terrible. Felt like calling it in and just going, wow, if I can't speak truth, I don't need to be holding that microphone. And I did all—I said all kinds of things to disqualify myself. Y'all do the same. And before the Lord, I repented and apologized for not saying what I needed to say. Because, you know, my friend came here to hear truth, and I withheld it. Do you ever mess up like that? You have moments where you're supposed to act on behalf of the Lord, Holy Spirit is pushing you to do something, and you're like, shh. Yeah. Mess up big time, right? Some of you are like, "Who was it? Tell me the whole details. I want to know it all." Nanya. None Nanya none business. We blow it in other ways too, though. Bad financial decisions, we lie, we break relationship with people, we hurt someone close to us, we battle addiction, we betray family members, we crush those that we love, or maybe Maybe what you're struggling with is just a private addiction. Nobody else knows about it but you. That was me for years. Nobody knew about my addiction to pornography. Might have been something you did or something you said. Or or maybe that thing that you did or you said you didn't get caught and nobody knew about it. Like, if I hadn't told you all, you never would have known. And you didn't get caught in that thing that you said or you did. But you think about it all the time. And it weighs heavy on you. You feel shame about it. Maybe you're just somebody who knows that Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart, and you just keep running from it, and you feel the weight of that and the exhaustion from that. Paul understood our humanity and his own, and he said this about himself in 1 Corinthians 15. This is after his conversion. By the way, you need to know that Paul was one of the greatest preachers of that time. He went on to write the majority of the second half of your Bible. That's called the New Testament. The majority of that is his writings. Paul said this. He said, "I'm the least of the apostles. Apostle just means special messenger, somebody that God has given a special message to go." And that was the original twelve, and Paul. He said, "I'm, I'm, I'm the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God." Some of y'all, that's that's your story. No, I'm, I, I I couldn't possibly serve. I couldn't possibly have a ministry. God couldn't possibly have a plan and a purpose for me. And if He does, it. It, it has to be something small. It has to be something insignificant because, oh, I know what I've done. But the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. In other words, he received much grace. And because he had received much grace, he gave much Grace. He preached and shared much grace. He made it his life's mission because he had received so much grace to be somebody who preached that grace. He said, worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul was forgiven much, and who better to preach God's life-changing grace through Jesus than a major screw-up like him, or a major screw-up like me, or a major screw-up like you. God uses people who fail. And all through scripture, you're going to find, and when you look around your life, there aren't any other kind of people. We all fail. Every single one of us. We all fail. The people of faith in the Bible were no different. Jacob, who later became Israel, was a cheater. Miriam was a gossip. Moses was a murderer. Martha was a worrier. Not a warrior, a worrier, like wringing her hands, worried about everything. David had an affair and was a murderer. Thomas was a doubter. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied he knew Jesus. And Elijah suffered from depression. And yet, God used them all. Does that make you feel any better? Does me? God wants to use you. Your insecurities and your doubts don't disqualify your faith. You belong here you have a purpose here. And I want you to know that there is plenty of opportunity for you to find out what that purpose is here at Simple Church. We run something the first first four Sundays of the month. It's called Growth Track. And, and I'm, I know I'm preaching our programming, but it's important. Some of you have been here a while and haven't done it. We have digital means for you to be able to do it if you can't stay after service. I get it. But we run it on the first, second, third, and fourth Sunday of the month. That's step one, two, three, and four. And in Growth Track, We will help you discover the reason God has you here on this earth. There's two most important days of your life. The day you were born and the day you find out why. Get in the growth track. You'll find out why you're here. You can discover the gifts that God has put in you and how he wants to use them. And the opportunities for you to do that around this spiritual community and beyond. Look, we want to just encourage you that that maybe some of the reasons that you haven't taken that step is because you've disqualified yourself due to your insecurities and your doubts. And I want to remind you that you're ultimately doubting God. You're doubting that God is that good. You're doubting God's value and worth that he places on you because you are his workmanship, his masterpiece, and he values you. So when the devil comes along and tells you why you can't make a difference... God will tell you that in Christ you can make a difference. The devil will tell you what you're not, and God will tell you what you are. The devil will call you by your sin, and God will call you by your name. The devil will tell you that you're a mess, and God will turn your mess into his message. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're an ambassador of the Most High God. His masterpiece His workmanship, and he has good works, those good works that he planned in advance before you even decided to follow Jesus. He prepared those works for you to do in your life, to make a difference. So stop doubting yourself. You are not what you did. You are not what they did to you. You are not what they said about you, and you are not what you think about you. Remember, if you're truly amazing, if you are the best of the best, the most perfect and holy, God can still use you, but he prefers to use the rest of us who need him most. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, I'm in this space, and I'm joining so many people that would echo this exact sentiment. We need you. Our insecurities keep us from living the life that you intended for us to live. Lord, that's not an excuse. We need to face those insecurities. We need to name them, and we need to name them and bring them before you. Maybe even share them with somebody in our grow group. Share them with somebody and say, man, this is really how I'm feeling. And I just, God, we need your power, and we need your strength to move through them, move past them, maybe to honor those, those hurts and those moments that we've never even brought out or shared with anybody, and say, this is the place where I was wounded, and this is why I feel insecure, and have somebody to walk with us, to love us through those things, because we need that too. Lord, I pray that, that in those moments when we doubt, when we doubt our usefulness, when we doubt our value, that we will be reminded of what your word says. That by your spirit, you would remind us we are your masterpiece, your written poetry. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every part of us. Help us to truly believe that and to live that out in our everyday lives. Now, we're going to continue in this moment of prayer, and I just want to maybe speak to those of you that don't have a relationship with God, that maybe you're far from Him because you've disqualified yourself. Maybe your doubts have kept you from walking into a church, but today you're here. However you wound up here, you're here. And if those doubts and insecurities have kept you from a relationship with God, or maybe believing that you aren't good enough, or that God couldn't love someone like you, those are the lies from the pit of hell that have been sent to destroy your life and keeping you from experiencing what God has intended for you all along, and that is a relationship with him. The Bible says that eternity is placed in the heart of man and that until you connect with that which is eternal, that's a relationship with God, you will never feel full satisfaction. So today, if you're ready to begin a relationship with God or maybe come back to one, The Bible says that the way we do that is through Jesus, by accepting what he did on the cross, by placing our faith in him. It doesn't say anything about being perfect. It doesn't say anything about having all the answers. What it talks about is a daily pursuit of him. If you're ready to join a whole bunch of crazy believers that are walking that out today, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us and And, and, you know, it's not the words that make the difference. It's the faith. It's what you believe in your heart. It's the decision you are making today that makes it real. And so I'm I'm just going to ask, with everybody's head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, but if today's your day and you're going to do that, I'm going to ask you just slip your hand up right now. Just do it. Let me know. I just want to see you. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. I see your hands. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Church, there's people making decisions today. There are others that are ready to do that too. Let's all pray together. Nobody prays alone. Repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. And to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you put your faith in Jesus today, this round of applause is for you. Come on, guys. Let's celebrate with them.
1: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.